All right, all right, all right. Really big guest, really big guest for Chainlink Sports, and I'm happy to get him on. You know, Coach, I, I will say you've been one of the hardest guys to track down, but it's okay because it makes it better when I get you on. So I'm, I'm happy you're here. Coach Jason Ferber, a lot of people know you as Coach Ferber because you, you know, you're big on Instagram. But, uh, Coach, super cool talking with you, man. Thank you so much for hopping on with me. No, no problem. And thanks for having me. I'm sorry I couldn't hook up sooner. It's been kind of a hectic time. Um, yeah, absolutely. With, 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 with the wife being pregnant, first kid coming. So I, I got I to gotta figure, figure that out kind of on the fly. I don't have any experience with that. So if, if you got kids, you can coach me on that. No, no, no kids for me yet. But uh, absolutely, family comes first. And uh, no worries at all. Thank you so much for hopping on. So what I want to start with is uh, just how you got into coaching, just I guess like your origins. And then uh, I know you were with um, US Elite for a while. So then how you kind of got mixed up with them, but just kind of how uh, everything started with you in the coaching world. I had stopped playing when I was about 26, 27 years old. I was playing some independent ball in some league in, 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 in the Bay Area, um, in California. I went to a JUCO out there um, called Kenyatta College. And <clears throat> this, basically what happened was I, I, I hung up the I hung up the cleats. I figured I said a lot of the guys that were around that that I knew that I grew up with and stuff. They had had already been starting families and businesses and doing things, and I was like still in immature kid mode, still trying to play a game, you know. Right. And so <clears throat> I uh, I ended up doing a bunch of other stuff before I came back to baseball. I mean, I went real estate. I sold real estate. I did. Um, uh, mortgages and work for bro mortgage brokers and things like that. I ran a nightclub. I did all these different things that I felt, which I think helped me ultimately become a better coach um, because there was a lot of, there, there was some, there was a lot of people stuff going involved. Everything, everything I worked dealt with dealing with people's personalities um, and kind of <clears throat> connecting with people. And um, I kind of took that approach of coaching. I mean, <clears throat> I started, the, the, when I started, I was actually doing real estate. Okay, in in New York City, and um, working a lot of hours, making money. But my wife was like, "Hey, what? You know, she's like, you never have uh, you never have any fun anymore. You seem like you're always stressed out. You know, um, well, why don't you try doing something? You need a hobby or something." I, I'm I'm thinking like, well, if you want to live in New York City and maybe eat something more than Chick Fil A, you, you got to work. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I got to work. So I, I was just locked into working. She said, well, I saw something. She said, what about baseball? You know, you love to play. You, you, love, you love to watch the game. You love to play. She said, you know, why don't you, why don't you volunteer your time and coach with some kids? And in my mind, I was thinking, I got no time for that. Right. That doesn't pay any money. You know what I mean? I mean, and, and that's, I think, what a lot of young coaches think. Like, I'd like to, they, they love the game. and They want to get back. Maybe they want to coach, but it was, it, 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 not a lot of money involved. So yeah. it went on like that. She basically, my wife volunteered me. She actually created an email and a resume, and she put my name into this to this business and to this uh, coaching to this place called um, the Stars Baseball Center in New York City, and said, "You can just go, go here. It's only two practices a week in Central Park, and you play one doubleheader on Sunday. You can manage that." And I was like, "You know what?" Else? She's like, "Well, you you already got accepted. You got to go down there anyway." I was like, "What?" She's like, "Yeah, you got to go tomorrow." I'm like, "Wow." Right, right. So, so that's how I, that's how I got started actually doing it. Um, once I got out there, I'm really grateful actually that she that she did that for me because once I got out there, 
on the field and you know when you're on the grass and stuff it's a different feeling when you when you so even if you're not playing but you're watching guys play but you're in the mix oh yeah, yeah. and you're involved smell of the grass the sunshine there's a lot of 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 uh really you know calming things i think about that um being outside on the sun and and all the other stuff and the problems kind of disappeared and i felt great you know i felt better than i had in a while and so I, I got into it and I started, you know, being, you know, started making more kind of sitting down, making practice plans, thinking about the next time I would go out there, looking at different, different players and seeing how, how I could help them and develop them based on their position or whatever they were. And I just kind of got lost in the, in the, in the shuffle of, you know, let me just take myself away and do this. And over that time, I noticed a few of those, few of the kids that were on that team were, a lot better and they're a lot more committed than the other guys. The other guys were kind of doing it just for fun. These are 11 year old kids. Right, you know what right, I mean? So, right. so, so, but, but you could still tell at that age who is a worker and who loves to play and who shows up early and leaves late and constantly asks questions and is a, and is a cut above mentally and physically. And so, you know, I knew that there was two or three kids on that team that, they got to a point where if you're playing with eight or nine other kids that are just doing it for fun and you're trying to do something and compete, you're going to get, it's not going to, it's going to be detrimental for you. Yeah. So, and, 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 you know, like uh, now, and I, you know, I'm not at your, uh, your level at all, but me and my friend were coaching the tenure team and, you know, kind of like same age. And you could tell, like, it's almost like the same scenario. I think it's like three or four kids in our team who are always on time and on time. I mean like 20 minutes early, you know, who always want more swings, this and that. So you're right. Like, even though they are young, it does show at that age. Oh man, it's so clear. I know yeah. kids that they'll, they will, you know, there's kids that will berate their parents, like, like won't let them stop if they're, if they, to go to practice. There's other kids that are happy if their parents say, we're not going to practice. We're going to go eat dinner at your aunt's house that are ecstatic. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. You know, the, those type of kids that um, <clears throat> they, there's nothing they would rather be doing than, than being on a baseball field. Like literally nothing. Video games is up there, but it's still second. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, those, those are the kids that, that, uh, that, that, that I really enjoy working with the most. And, um, yeah, I think you have the most impacted, but those few kids, I had to come up with a better situation because I had just started coaching. I didn't know anything about travel baseball. I didn't know anything about college, like recruiting. I didn't know anything about that. I, w I was working. I was a regular working blue collar guy. Right. And, um, just cause I played the game and I loved it, you know, I started to, get about I said, well, if these kids, if I'm going to push them on the field, I should learn a little bit more off the field about how to develop young, young players, you right. know? And I just started thinking about some of the things that, that I really enjoyed as a young player and things that um, turned me off as far as, you know, you always come into contact with different coaches. You're never going to have the same coach for 10 years, you know, unless you're maybe Derek Jeter or something, even him, the manager, maybe Joe Torrey. This is one of the few things usually – you get about four years max with any coach, whether it's Little League or high school or absolutely. college. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. You, you know what I mean? And that's a pushing it. But I, start, I started thinking about <clears throat> things that I really loved about the coaches that I had worked with. And I, and I tried to take some of the good and leave the bad out. And I said, let me just try to create the most um, <clears throat> fun environment at that age <clears throat> because it's so easy to run into one, one coach that ruins the experience, yep. right? Yeah. That – you know, I feel like if you can make the work really fun and you are able to create 
um, a bond with some players so that they have no doubt at all that the reason why you're there is to help them to watch them shine on a baseball field. Right. Like that, that's the, that's the number one goal and to give them a feeling of something that is, cause I, I grew up with no money. You know, I, I my family was really poor. It's one of the only forms of currency or things that make, made me feel good was being able to <clears throat> hit a ball really hard, be able to be picked first in a, in a neighborhood pickup game. Right. You know, you know what I mean? And, 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 and I remember that feeling so well of, well, I don't have nice clothes. I, I, my family doesn't have a car. I go to a public school in Brooklyn, New York. is drug dealers and guys selling crack on every street corner, right? So yeah. it's not really a lot of aspirations or dreaming of doing things. But this one little area over here, <clears throat> baseball, that was like, man, I felt, I felt home. It was, a, it was an escape for me. Um, it, it allowed me to feel a part of something when I didn't really feel a part of anything, you know? And so that's the type of thing that I was, I, was, I, know, I know I got off the track here for a second. No, this is, no, this is great. I love it. Keep going. This is good. That's, 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 that's what, um, when I look back on it now, I'm, I'm thinking about why, why do I love coaching so much is that for the kids that, you know, there's kids that have great, perfect support networks and a great nuclear family at home and people that care and, and, and people that support all this other stuff. And then there's other kids that, you know, maybe their dad's an alcoholic. Maybe they have no way to get to a showcase. Maybe they have no way to get to, um, to buy a piece of equipment. But they're good athletes. They're talented. They can compete with anybody their age. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I want to make sure to keep those kids' imagination intact, right, and not shatter their, their dreams too early of thinking, you know, I can't do this. It's just another thing that's, that's you know, I can't do or whatever. And um, <clears throat> at that young age, if, if, if we can just – keep them dreaming real big and keep that imagination going and, 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 and then hand them off to the next guy. And you just hope and pray that that next guy is the right fit for them. Cause sometimes it's not, but sometimes it is. And I think the combination of different types of coaching styles um, and different types of feedback, it, it, when it clicks the right way for a guy that has uh, the ability to like, the kid has to also be able to take the good from the bad and, and leave the rest and not take anything too personally from coaches say to them. Right. Yeah. Um, but that's pretty much where it started. The, the, you were saying about how I got hooked up with U.S. Elite after? Well, yeah. yeah so, I'm like, kind of your origins and then kind of how you built up to U.S. Elite. Well, well at, the build-up to U.S. Elite was basically those two or three guys that were on that team that were a, a cut above the rest clearly needed some higher-level competition. Um, okay. I was looking at something online, and it said that there were tryouts for – actually, yeah, with one of the parents I was on that team – they, they, they were having tryouts for something they did in Cooperstown every year um, where they take a team of 12-year-olds to Cooperstown. I wasn't planning on go, taking the team that I had to Cooperstown because driving seven hours to get crushed is not something that I, yeah. I wanted to do. But I said, you know, for these two or three kids, this might be a great opportunity, and I, I think they can make this team. Yeah. So I, I drove with these three players um, about two and a half, three hours to Pennsylvania from New York and went to this tryout and um the there was maybe 40 kids there and all three of the guys that i that i that i uh brought there they all they all got chosen they all made the team right the team they're running it out and the, the guy the owner he came over to me afterwards and said um <clears throat> and said hey i i uh you know these guys are, these guys are pretty good i appreciate you you bring out he goes how, how are you connected with these guys you know what i mean 
and you train him? I said, no, they, they play for me. They play for me for the past year, right? And he looked at me kind of crazy. And like, like, really? He's like, they're your players? I'm like, well, yeah. And, 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 and he was like, I was like, why is that sound, is, why is that, does that sound crazy or something? He's like, well, no, it's just not, not a lot of coaches that run travel teams are looking to give their players, the best players on their team to other people. Right, right, yeah. You, you know what I mean? Most of them yeah. are trying to keep them. Yeah. And, and, and so I said, well, yeah, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this for uh, anything else other than the, the, than the, see these kids actually get somewhere. So it was, he was like, cool. So after that conversation, it was like, I don't know, a couple of days later, um, he reached back out and he said, hey, if, if what you're looking for is higher level of competition and more committed guys, um, it, you already know, I, I can see that you know how to spot and identify talent and obviously how to develop it. Yeah. But, but um, you know, why not just come over here and work with us and you'll get exactly what you're looking for as that goes. And I thought about it and I said, well, I mean, I'm already doing it now. I might as well, I might as well do that. So I told other people that weren't committed. And at that point, it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't like, um, you know, stopping, stopping coaching where I was at was going to devastate anybody. Because most, most of the other kids were kind of like, yeah, whatever. We're just out here having fun. Yeah, so yeah. I said, I'm, I'm not going to coach anymore. I took a job somewhere else. And, and that, was, that was that. And then when I went there, um, I started to learn a lot more about um, college, the college recruitment process. Um, how, how, um, you know, what makes guys college level athletes and, and how their numbers and physical skill set project and, and what it takes to play in the ACC or SEC or, or, or big 10 or whatever, D2, D3, JUCO guys. Like, and I, and I, I started to build this network of, um, of college coaches over there. Um, at the, at the same time I was doing that, I wasn't, um, I wasn't on Instagram when I first went to US Elite. I, I didn't have an Instagram page at all. Right. Uh, I was still just kind of coaching, still working and just coaching on the side. Um, well, so, like, so like this leads into my next question is like, when did like, you know, that your page start? Cause like you're very well known for your page now and you post like, you know, D1 guys, like professional guys and, and then like in your captions, like kind of like what you're working on, like, you know, their height, weight and all that stuff. So like how'd that get started? It started because that team at US Elite, once I, once I figured out what they were doing there, it was – they had a lot of good players, but they were spread out. So they were getting, like, the top one or two guys in each state from, like, five or six different states. Right. So when you do that, you can get some really good players, but it's very hard to practice, which I was used to getting together and practicing on a weekly basis with guys. Yeah. Or on a couple of times a week, at least seeing guys and being able to develop. And so I – I knew um, that it was a it was a, 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 a lot of solid players and good athletes, but um, they didn't know each other. The kids didn't know each other at all. They lived in different states, so they we would get together for a weekend game in the beginning, and it was just it was all over the place. It wasn't a, there was no continuity, there was no chemistry, and I was I was I was getting frustrated because I'm thinking you guys are way better than this. How are you losing to games? It's because there's nobody is playing for the next guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, in, in our, in, in our sport, um, you know, you can have some really good players, but if they don't know each other's strengths and weaknesses, when they need to get picked up, when they need to be left alone, yeah. um, little things, you know, how an outfielder's ball tails, you know, and for a cutoff, if you don't know these type of things, you, you're going to, you're going to be at a loss again. You're going to be at a loss against other teams like that. So yeah. I came up with an idea to, 
um, make a group text where just basically all I was doing was I would take one of the players on the team. There was 15, 14 or 15 guys or 13 or 14 guys. And I, I, I would put a video of them hitting, whether it was T off the T or BP or whatever. And um, I said, this is who the guy's name is, Joe Smith, height, weight. This is where he's from. This is where high school he goes to. This is what position he plays. I want you guys to look at his swing. And I want you to give me one thing that you like about it and one thing that you would suggest, right? And uh, basically, they like doing it for the first about two or three days. And after two or three days, all of them were saying, Coach, I can't wake up to 42 text messages on my, on my phone every day. I can't do this. It's crazy. We got to figure out something else. Uh-huh. Yeah. And these kids are like 13, 13 years old saying, well, I can't do this. <laughs> oh, so basically, um, one of the, the, the shortstop on the team is Kid Ben, who was actually one of the original guys from the other place. Okay. We were, we were training. We still could, I still maintained my groups of training guys off the field um, while we were doing that. Okay. So he said, coach, why don't you make an Instagram page? And I said, Instagram. I said, no, I hate Facebook. I'm not, why would I go on Instagram? I'm not <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. He, well, he said, it's easy. He said, we're all on there. We're not, you're not going to have to deal with a bunch of texts. You can post a video on there. It'll just be us, the 14 people on, on there, 14 followers. Right, and, right. and we can, whenever throughout the next day, we can go on there, look, make a comment or send a DM. And it's the same thing. Yeah. And I, I was like, nah, I don't want to do that. I, I, I shut him down for like a month after that. And then, and then he finally, we were throwing, I was throwing BP. I was, we were hitting one day and I left my, my phone was sitting on the ground. He grabbed my phone and he made the account um, himself. He was 14 at the time or something, or 13, 14, he made the account. Right. Just like written out, Coach Ferber, just, I never changed it. And he said, he said, all right. He said, he said, coach, this is what it is. And he looked over and he said, all you do is just see this video, press, put a caption here, you press post and that's it. Yeah. And we'll, we'll, we'll follow. And, um, so I did that just to, just to, just to do it. And once I started messing around with it, it was for, there was, it, that started with only the 14 kids that are, that were on the team. Yeah. The, the purpose of the, of the, of the Instagram page, it wasn't to make money or to run a business. The, the origin of it and the reason it started was to connect players. Right. Right. Entertain players. To, to have guys meet each other. That's what the, the point was. So I started nicknaming guys, just messing around because it was just entertainment. It wasn't some serious type of thing. It was just, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. uh, calling Frankie Blue Eyes or, 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 or Joey Coffee Cakes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think other kids, I think other, other players, they, they saw, I don't know, some, a, a coach that was acting in this way, kind of a little different than most that they've seen in him. They made him chuckle probably. Yeah. And, and so they started to follow along. And um, it was growing pretty fast. And I didn't even, I didn't really even understand what it was. What the, what's the point? Why am I trying to get more followers? Well, I didn't know anything about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and it got to like 5,000 followers in like a month and a half or two months of just posting different, different um, players. And then at, at about that point, that same kid was like, hey, there's this music app that I can, you can put, and you can make like highlight reels. We, we, and he's like, show me something. It was like, that's pretty cool. And I look back on the, and then, and then I tried it. I said, man, your music's trash. Let me put some good, some, some yeah. notorious big or some Jay Z or something. Yeah. I need to listen to. And uh, then when I put the music on there, I think even more people were like, dude, this is crazy. Cause you know what? All the football players and all the basketball players, they all had those, 
those highlight videos. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you don't and, really see those highlight videos with, uh, with baseball players. It's not, it's, it's, I guess it's not as like attractive or whatever, but you don't really see those as often. It's considered showboating, I think, in baseball. Just like, uh, just, right. like the, just like the same reason, um, you know, when guys pimp homers and stuff, you know, yeah. and some guys really disagree with that. They're like, no, that's not what baseball player. Baseball should be a gentleman's game and this and that, which I feel the same way too. I mean, right. I'm old when it comes to a lot of stuff, like how you wear your hat and, and, and belt and, and tucked in everything, snap, crackle, pot. Yeah. I, I like all that stuff about the game. I just also think that if you don't adapt to what the younger generation wants, you're going to die because yeah. football does a way better job at recruiting. It's way more attractive than what baseball does. Basketball, same thing. They let people be animated. They let the players have personalities, right? And they, they do, you know, let them do crazy dances and things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and, and you know, that's one of baseball's problems in terms of, I guess, like marketing, you know, you know, their game and the players, you know, because, you know, there is a lot of like stigmas about, you know, like the old school. And like the perfect example is when Tatis hit the grand slam on the 3 0 pitch, you know what I mean? And then, yep. and now like the NFL allows guys to like do all these crazy celebrations when they score touchdowns. Like back then, I mean, not, not way back, but like a few years ago, they didn't allow that, but now they're conforming to it because that's what people want to watch on TV. Like people don't want to watch like guys like, you know, behaving like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think if it's not forced, so, some of the stuff is clownish. You got to really, there's a fine line between oh, of course, yeah, yeah, acting like a clown or, or if it's real and it comes from the heart and that's yeah. how you play the game. Um, but I, I never wanted to, I played for coaches that used to coach styles out of players. They coach personalities out of players. And, and I never liked that feeling because I was always kind of a, a little bit of an outlier when it came to personality stuff too. I was, I was a joker and, and, and I was, I was one of, but so I was a, always capping on guys in the dugout. I would always be laughing and smiling. But when I was on the field, I was, I played like an animal, you know, and I, and I, and I, and I, and I, I played as hard as I possibly could. I never took a playoff. I had ADD actually. I still have ADD. And okay. I never took any, I never took any medicine for it. Okay. My mom, when I was in, when I was, uh, I was in PS 188, a public school in Brooklyn and Coney Island back in 19, early eighties. Right. And at that time, nobody talked about attention deficit disorder. Nobody talked about, you know, hyperactive, this and that. They were just like, either do the stuff or shut up and get out, you know, or whatever it was. Nobody really cared to talk about that kind of stuff. Right, right. I kept on getting in trouble based on talking out loud, never, couldn't sit still, had all these different things, all the traits that you see with somebody, couldn't focus for long periods of time. I'm okay. like paper airplanes and flying them around and throwing pencils at kids and stuff like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and they, the, 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 the superintendent and the principal came to my mom and she, they were like, look, we want to put your, your son needs to be put on this medicine. It's called Ritalin. Okay. And my mom was like, you're not putting my son on Ritalin. I don't know what you're talking about. She was kind of like a hippie ish type mom. She used to, she used to, she used to give us like, like wheat germ and bee pollen and stuff like that when we're growing up. All the stuff we can't stand. I, when I just wanted to eat a Pop-Tart. Yeah. <laughs> and she's giving me all this healthy stuff, wheat grass and all this stuff. And, okay. and so my mom was like, you're not giving my kid any medicine. He'll have, you'll have to deal with him the way he is. And they're like, well, he's out of control. Yeah. He's out of control. He's, he's disturbing other people from learning. You yeah. know what I mean? The yeah. problem. And so, you know, 
I learned how to deal with it. It actually, it actually, you know, for, from an academic standpoint, it, 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 it caused me, it caused me a lot of frustration because I knew I couldn't do it. But when I got on the baseball field, all that stuff that was bad in the classroom or considered bad that I did, Helped like talking at, talking at a turn and all that stuff, yeah. that's highly recommended in, on a baseball field. Yeah. Being loud and, and boisterous and chaotic is, is, is recommended. Yeah. So, so, like, that's actually funny, like, you know, that connection. And, and I feel like a lot of people who, who maybe have, like, you know, like, issues like that in the classroom, you know, it applies to other areas of life where, you know, other strengths can be grown from that. So I think that's great how you were kind of um, able to uh, adapt to those environments. But, yeah, uh, well, it, also make, it also makes you a better, more understanding as a coach when you deal with some problems. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Like, I mean, with the ADD thing, if – if I didn't have that, like I can now identify players that have that. Yeah. I know it because it, it, it's me. So whereas other coaches, if you just coach personalities and styles out of players, like let's say you came out, Nico, and you had, a, you had attention deficit disorder, you took medicine for it, you didn't or whatever it was, and we're, in our, we're, in our, we're, we're having a conversation or we're having a team meeting and you're looking the other way and you're distracted, some coaches might take that as a lot of as disrespectful and go, you – start running until your legs stop working. Yeah. yeah. Right. And b blow a kid up over something that he has no control over. Yeah. Right. Now the opposite way of doing that, creating relationships with players and really showing them that you care, not just on a baseball field. I started to try to call my guys up during the week, even the young guys, 13 years old and talk with them, ask them what's going on at school. What's going on at home. Do you have a girlfriend? Do you not? What's your favorite subject? What kind of food do you like? What's your hobbies? Do you go fish? Do you do this? Do you hunt? When, when kids start doing that, now they start talking to you about things that don't have anything to do with baseball. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they start trusting you. They're going to open up. And when you get that trust from a kid, when it is time to bench him because he didn't hustle or something on the field, he's going to understand why you're doing it. Yeah. When, when, when it comes time to, 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 to actually you know, coach someone, I'm not, you know, if, if I don't trust you, Nico, it's very hard for me to listen to you. Yeah, of course. You know, and, and, and that's just the bottom line. And if, if you're running this pot, you're running this podcast right here. And like, I don't know, you never met me before. And I just start telling you, Hey, you know what, Nico, like you need a different pair of headphones. You need some other ones that like, are, are this, and you need a different speaker. And I want you to do it with like, I want you to have a picture. You'd be like, dude, who are you? Yeah. Yeah. But you're not, I know what I'm doing. And, and, but if I was your friend that I was, that I grew up, I, I knew you for like three or four years and we hung out and yeah. we were doing this and I was watching all your different podcasts and doing this. And I was like, Hey man, you might think about doing this. You'd be like, you know what? All right, cool. You, you're going to accept the information. Of course. Yeah, of course. So now, now that you've kind of established yourself as a coach and you've kind of broken off into um, a lot of different avenues as a coach, you know, cause I know that you were a scout for a little bit. I'm not sure. Um, if you're still doing that or not, but you did start up uh, the real ballers uh, travel team. So, mm -hmm. and like that kind of fits like your mantra and your personality, kind of all the things that you do in your posts on social media. So just kind of, what was that like, you know, starting it up and, you know, still doing it now. And like, I imagine for you, like it has to be a lot of fun. It is, you know, as much as I am grateful for the time I spent at US Elite, kind of learning the, the college recruitment process. Yeah. Whenever you're working for someone else, your, your suggestions are only, that's what they are. They're just suggestions. 
And no matter how much you ask about or, or, or say, come up with ideas or ways of doing, say, maybe we should evaluate players like this, or maybe we should treat people like this, or maybe we should do this. It's not my business, right? Yeah. Um, they, they were in the mode of they wanted to grow and expand, right? They wanted to get more teams and more players and more people and go all the, these different places in the country. And I wasn't personally interested in doing that. Um, I was very content working with a small group, one team, right? Yeah. And I, because I felt like the more players and the more people that are there, the less impact you have on each one. I can, I can have a big, a large impact on a few people, or I can have a little tiny impact on a lot of people. Yeah. Maybe. And, and I felt like um, the way that the recruitment process was going was it wasn't matching kids up with schools based on their personalities. It was matching kids up with school based on their physical ability and their, and their metrics. And I thought that wasn't, a, that, wasn't a, that wasn't really the best way to do it. Like when I came, started at US Elite, I, get, I thought the purpose of what I was trying to do was get whatever player to, the, to Vanderbilt to Florida, to, you know, LSU, right. Mississippi. Right, yeah. I, I thought that, the, that that was the goal. Just get the player to the top college in the country and see what happens after that. Yep. Just so you can say you did it. And once you go through it and you see that, that doesn't work. Yeah. Because, you know, because like they're going to go there and at first it's attractive because, you know, they can get, you know, the clout on social media and they could have that label attached to them and then they go there and they're unhappy, you know, and, and that happens on, you know, all levels, like not just the schools like Vanderbilt like that, but you know, that, like, I like that you said that cause that is like a part of the recruiting process that, you know, that not a lot of people notice. Yeah. If you, if you, if you, if you don't take the time to know who the kid is and how he, how well he thrives, just the same way that there are players, you might, you might do incredible in my program. If I coached you, if we connected and I, and, 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 and I like the way you play and you like the way I coach, you might be incredible. You might go to another coach and you may completely hate the experience yeah. and the way things are run and what's going on. That does, that, you know, if you and another player, right, were, you might be on the same team even, and you play, first, you play third base, he plays first base. You guys both come from, where are you, where are you from? New Jersey. So you're from New Jersey. Okay. So let's say you were both from uh, your, your town. You kind of had similar upbringings or whatever, but one of you wants to go play in a city and, or, or, and, and go be in, a, go be in a, a large population with people and maybe go play in Miami or, or, or LA or something like that. Or yeah. you want to be on national television in front of 50,000 people, you know, and the other guy, He's been living, you know, he, he, he likes the opposite. He wants to be in a, a rural environment without a whole bunch of a commotion. He just wants to go put his head down and grind and work and just compete. And, and that's what his personality is. It's got nothing to do with ability. That yeah. has to do with how people are wired and what they, what they, what they want. Um, you might like a high-energy coach. Other kids may do well, well with more of an old-school approach where it's, like, you know, more structured. I know a lot of the kids from the South may might come from – things where the, the coach is more militant about the way that he runs practice and the way that he does things. Yeah. And they're used to that. And they, they, they thrive in that. Maybe they wouldn't do well with me because my, my, my approach is a little bit different. 
So I, I wanted to, when I left, the reason why I was leaving, I was leaving that, pro, that program is because, and I, I went, a lot of coaches, what they do is they'll go to a program and then once they find out the players like them, they'll try to steal the team and go take it and put another name on them. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't think that was. I didn't think that's the that was the right thing to do either. So I, I lived out my commitment. I took them all the way through high school. They all got committed. Twenty six kids in that class that, that played for me that got committed and got athletic scholarships with Division One programs. These guys went to. I had everyone from SEC guys, ACC. I had military schools. A couple guys went to West Point Naval Academy. I had Ivy League guys. I had Patriot League guys. Bucknell. Um, these type of schools. Um, mm-hmm. they were a really wide range of kids and stuff. And I started to see why. And, and the beauty of it is um, almost every one of those guys, when they went to college, because they, 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 they took the time to figure out the coaches, the coaching staff and, 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 and this type of thing. And they all ended up liking where they were at. Um, there was one or two guys that went to schools that over-recruited and they ended up not liking where they're at. And that was a learning lesson for us too. Yeah. Yeah. That happens a lot. Oh yeah. So, so, but, but that's pretty much um, what, why I wanted to go into to real bowlers is because I wanted to um, test out what I thought um, was going to be a lot less stressful for the recruiting process. I thought I could do a better job. I thought I could do a better job at a lot of things. Um, and um, as far as creating little relationships with parents and kids, um, I thought I could do better in just a lot. I thought I could do better with developing guys. Um, and um, I, I took the approach of instead of everybody, here's a crazy thing, Nico. A lot of people don't realize this. For some reason, every time I've done the opposite of what everybody else is doing in baseball, good things have come from it. I don't know why. It's very weird. Okay. Like, like the – Everybody was trying to get more teams and more teams and build these big powerhouse programs. I could have used the, at that point, I had about 90,000 people on Instagram on followers. I had way bigger of a following than USLE had. The coach, and there was a bunch of teams. And I was like building this guy's business for him because every time I posted a kid in a USLE uniform, they're looking, oh, going, man, this thing must be great. But then players would go to other teams and I wasn't the coach. And they'd be like, yeah that's, yeah, not, yeah, that's not what I was seeing on social media. That's not what I think this was. Or it was a dad that was coaching. Yeah, yeah. Right? So you're like, this isn't what it is. So, so um, you, you know, I wanted to take a, a, a different approach, which was the opposite, which was instead of going more teams, go less teams. I, I went to – I've been doing tryouts. I did tryouts before I started Real Ballers. I could have had – five to seven different teams of players. Easy. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure. There's 140 kids coming to tryouts, 120 kids coming to tryouts. I was getting, I would get one where I think a lot of people, if they get that many kids to a tryout, they go, oh yeah, we'll just make an A, B, C, D team. And everybody's going to, everybody will be able to play. We can get everybody's money. Yep. But you're dealing with all these problems because you're lying to people. You're saying that their kid's ready to go and play and compete at these, at these, at this level. And they're not. And so, so the amount of problems is not worth it. The other thing we're doing with the opposite um, on Instagram, everybody was promoting their own business. Everybody was saying, this is my facility. This is my hitting philosophy. This is my, whatever it was, my pitching thing. And I was like, 
I don't care about any of that. I'm, I'm, this is about players. So yeah. I was just highlighting the player and I went that direction. In the beginning, when I started putting the music on the, the highlight videos, you should have seen how many coaches and different people were write, were, would write those little clown faces and things like that. Yeah. Troll you, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 yep. And again, it didn't bother me because I was like, well, why, why do I, I don't even know who you are. Why would I care about you writing a clown face in this? The crazy part is later on now, I watch some of those same coaches five years later that now everything on TikTok and everything on Instagram is, is attaching music to it, right? Yeah. Change. Now they're, yeah. And now they're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and so people are scared of what they don't know and of change. You know what I mean? And, and, you know, they knew one way of, of posting, you know what I mean? Which is like, Oh, this is my way. Come train with me. Cause this is my thing. You know what I mean? You know, where you just took as like, dude, these are my boys, you know, like, and his nickname is like Joey. Like, like, and just like all the stuff that you write on there with like, and all your hashtags on stuff like, like, and that's what, and like, it was different. So it called people's eye. You know what I mean? Like you could have been different and call people's eye, but you could have sucked. You know what I mean? And people right. would but since you were doing it in a way that was good and, you know, efficient and all that, that's why people started gravitating towards you. I mean, that like, that's just the way that I see it. Well, I, I think when people see that the personality is genuine yeah. and that's how you really, really are. I mean, if you're putting on a show, you can only put up a show for so long. And then you, if you're not who you are and you're not yourself, that's one of the biggest things we teach at Real Bowlers is be yourself. But our motto is also, if you aren't different, you're invisible. If you're not different, you're invisible. That's, 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 but within being yourself, you see what I'm saying? Like it's, it's right. a trick. It's a tricky thing. You don't, it's not being different by being a clown. It's being different by being confident who you are. If you're just confident who you are and what you're doing and you're saying, this is who I am today. When I wake up and I look in the mirror, right? I'm perfect. Just the way I am. Whereas yeah. I think a lot of coaches say, say, you're not good enough. You need to get in the gym. You need to do this. You need to do that. Yeah. Okay. But right now, when I look in the mirror, I'm perfect. Just the way I am. Even though I'm a few pounds overweight, I'm perfect. Even though I, even though I went 0 for 4 yesterday, I'm perfect. Yep. I'm perfect because I treat people the right way. I'm honest, right? I love the game. I, 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 respect, I respect the game. I'm a hard-ass worker. That's why I'm perfect. Now, the key to this whole thing is in a year from now, right, Nico, and when, if it's October 29th or whatever it is in 2021, if I look in the mirror and I'm the same person that I was now, that's no good, right? Yeah. So I'm the best version of myself today, but that ain't going to be, that's not going to be the best version in a year from now. I have to continue to, to, to set goals and, 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 and go execute. Right. So, but, but, but that, but, what's that? No, 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 no. I was saying like, yeah, like I was agreeing with you. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I just feel, I just feel like there's, there's, you know, spending some time and investing in people. And I think a lot of the stuff that I see and some of the things when I was a kid and I was getting coached by different coaches, one of the things that always bothered me as a, as a player was, they would shout out, a guy would shout out my failures, but he whispered my accomplishments, right? And every time you do something bad on a baseball field, you know, just, they'll point it out. But when you do something good, you break out of a slump. When you, you, didn't, you, didn't, you couldn't get a hit, couldn't buy a hit for 15 a batch, kind of figure something out. All of a sudden you smoke a double in the gap and you score a run or something and like you come back to the dugout 
And that same coach that was blowing you up every single time for everything, when you actually do something good, is just looking yeah. off. The, the, yeah, it doesn't yeah. – like, that, that's, that's one of the things that pisses off. So I really like to balance out, you know, how much I'm pumping you up when you're doing something good and also letting you know when they're bad. Pointing out flaws in 15-year-old baseball players is very easy to do. Of course, yeah. Anyone, anyone can do it. There's, it takes no scout. It takes really no talent, really no skill. You can just sit in the stands. Why'd he bunt there? How'd he pop that bunt to the pitcher? Why'd he steal like that? Why'd he do this? But he's 15. He's learning, yeah. right? And so, so, so I'm okay with pointing out flaws if you have a valid suggestion to, to fix it. Yeah. Too many guys point out flaws, and then you say, well, you, you know, man, you didn't turn that, you didn't turn that, that play. It's an easy double play. How did you not turn that at second base? And then, it, and then the kid's like, well, is there something I can work on? And you can't even show him the proper footwork around <laughs> yeah. the bat. Right. How do I do it? Can you show me, coach? Show me how next time, because I do it. If you show me the right footwork, I will swear to you, I will go every single day this week for an hour a day until our next game, and I'll work on that one footwork play. Yeah. But the coach, he doesn't know himself. He doesn't take the time to, to, to review it. Absolutely. You just go, just go, just go turn a double play to a kid that's twelve or thirteen. Those kids, you, you that stuff happens so quick at the major league level. It's very hard to see what those guys are doing. You have to really learn and study what those guys are doing on those little tiny things. Then yeah. you can do it. But that, that's pretty much where I was coming from. Gotcha. And also those guys at that level, you know, they spend thousands of hours of repetitions and and you know plays and practice and all that. So that's all something that just needs to be communicated to like a young kid. Like, listen, like. Like even something small like that, like you know, like your footwork on like that one specific play, that just you know that comes with work, and you know, like it's not going to come overnight. Yeah, and I think maybe a lot of the guys that, and at one point, I played. Listen, I played third base, so I didn't know the footwork around what what a double play was at second base for a long time. Why would I care? Right. I'm not working on that. I'm working at. When I'm feeling a double play, I'm feeling a ground ball, I'm staying low, and I'm throwing a, an absolute rocket chest-high glove side to the second baseman, and I'm going to follow my throw that way. That's all I'm worried about. What you guys do over there, that's on you. That's your job, right? Yeah. So, so, so as a coach, that if I want to grow and want to – some of the problem, I think, that you see with a, lot of, with a lot of coaching these days is nobody wants to ask anybody for any help. They think that they've, they know everything about the game. That's a red flag to me when I see when, – when, when, when there's a coach out there and you ask him stuff about hitting, pitching, throwing, fielding, base running, everything. You ask him a question and he just, boom, he spits out whatever it is. Yep. Like immediately I'm like, okay, that's a suspect because there's no way you could know all that stuff. How, how, if I played third base, I want to know how am I supposed to coach catchers if all I did was play third base my whole career? How am I supposed yeah. to do that? Right, right. How am I supposed to know when the catcher, when, when he should go talk to the pitcher, and not just when, but what he should be saying to that pitcher? If I never was in that, you know, what, what position you play, Nico? Catcher. Okay, so when you are running out to the pitcher's mound, okay, when the guy throws four balls in a row or spikes a couple of fastballs or whatever, yeah, you know that every other, you know that us guys on the corner infield or whatever, if we're not coming in to talk to you and you guys talking, all we're thinking of mine is, dude, can you just shut up and throw the next pitch? 
No, I, we, I don't blame you either. Yeah. We we don't care. We don't care what you're talking about. We're just like, dude, throw some strikes. Give me a ground ball. Let's get out of here. Yeah. You know what you need to say to with your pitcher based on you catching a million bullpens with him and you catching the games and understanding what pitch he needs to get to be able to get this out. Yep. But if I don't take the time to ask questions as a coach to other guys that caught and you played your position and I'm out there by myself, that's why, why do you think in a major league level, they have pitching coaches, field coaches, catching coaches, yeah, hitting they got, they got everything. outfield coaches, infield coaches. Cause it's impossible for anybody to know that much about the game. That's why when we go back to the footwork stuff, I had to be able to be okay with asking a guy that played shortstop or middle infield, even if he was younger than me. Yeah. And I, I felt like, I, Hey, what's the correct footwork for turning a double play? What is that? And he would show me some stuff, then I would ask the next guy. Oh, no, I do it this way. It's a little bit of a variation. If you don't ask, if I don't ask for people, I'm, I'm hurting my players, and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm not allowing them the same information and stuff like that, that, that that's available, it's out there. Absolutely. So last question I have for you, kind of like a fun question here. Um, you know a lot of players, so this might be hard. You can, you, like, you can give me like three or four if you want, but I want to know who's the most talented, just based off a of pure talent. Like you saw this guy like, and he, he just really blew you away. So who, who's the most talented player you've ever seen in person or a kid that you've coached? At, at, at say, like teenage, like, like high school years? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I guess like high school, college years. Austin Hendrick. Austin, oh, yeah, Hendrick. Yeah. Austin Hendrick is um, – He was a for the Reds, right? Yeah, last year. Okay. Um, I, I, wow. watched him, I watched him play when he was 11 years old. Um, I – Used to, he also used to come and hit with us in groups. He always played for um, – he played for a team called the Go Wags out of Pennsylvania. And um, then he ended up playing – I think he played with Team Elite for a while, but he was good friends with a lot of the guys on my team. We all knew each other. All the guys – you know how all those kids know each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He used to come hit with us and hang out with us or whatever it was. He, he was the most tools-out player that I've ever seen with a lefty bat. Like, he – when he was 11 – his swing was so violent at 11 years old that he used to take up some tissue paper, toilet paper before the game, and he used to ball it up and he used to put it in his back right pocket, like this big old ball wad of toilet paper, because he was swinging so hard that the bat would come through and slap his right ass cheek as he would finish <laughs> swing. You would hear like a boom slap like that at 11. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. I have video. I have I have video of him doing it, and and it looks nuts. He would have big black and blues. Oh Jesus! Oh yeah, yeah. On on like his on his ass cheek, all because he's hitting it with the bat so hard on his finish. Oh my God! That's and great. so yeah, but when you when I saw that type of intent, just the intent out of, out of that out of that age of a kid, you go, man, this kid is something something special. And a lot of kids that are righty bats they develop a little bit but the lefty bats for whatever reason the lefty guys they take a, a year or two more to develop a lot of times i don't know why that is but but a lot of them you see the development from from a swinging standpoint about i don't know a year or two after the left but he was so far ahead of everybody at that age right. always played up like one or two years um had an absolute cannon run throw hit like everything about him he would just show up you just walk around and you'd be like dude that kid is stud yeah he's different yeah 
<laughs> well, I, I was not expecting that story to go in that direction, but <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm glad it did. That's that, it's pretty cool here. But uh, that's all I got for you, Coach. You've been more than generous with your time. Uh, this has been really cool. And just one thing I want to say is like I I really admire and respect. I guess your mindset when it comes to coaching you know because there are a lot of people and listen like some people coach to make a living and they have to survive so yeah they're going to go out and try to get you know the most money but you really do it uh for the right ways and you really um look out for the players you know and it's you know it's uh it's rare nowadays you know with social media and stuff because everybody's trying to get their names out their names out there and try to bring in you know the most uh um the most players and money as they can so you know i really admire the way you do things so thank you I appreciate that, Nico. Thanks for having me on, man. Keep doing what you're doing. I've been watching your 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 uh, your, uh, your page over there, Chainlink, and everything, and 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 I think you keep on doing what you're doing. You're really good at it, man. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you, Coach. And uh, I'll keep in touch with you. Maybe we uh, I'll connect in the future sometime. Come down and hit some seeds with me, man. You get your own get get a get a get a lit mixtape. Oh, dude, I love that, man. Hey, listen, we got our numbers now. We'll uh we'll figure something out. Okay, bud. You take care, right, Nick? Thanks, Coach. Be well. See, you, buddy.